Hello, beautiful woman. Welcome to the Root and Womb Collective Podcast. My name is Haley. I am a holistic womb healer and women's mentor on a mission to guide women just like you back home to your body, womb, cycle, and the earth. In this space, we explore a variety of topics as it relates to womb health, cyclical living, womanhood, feminine embodiment, nourishment, and living our lives as radiant, purposeful women. I am honored that you are here. Thank you for elevating and amplifying the sacred feminine heartbeat. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Room Room Collective podcast. Hello, hello. I hope you are having a nourishing and grounding day so far. I am coming to you today with part two of last week's episode, which was all about what is the preconceptive phase of womanhood and why is it important. And in today's episode, I am going to be sharing seven things that I personally am doing for my own preconceptive health. So if you are unsure or wanting to learn more about why preconceptive health matters in the first place, make sure to listen to, I believe it's episode 17, just the one right before this episode. And I go through all of that in there. But today is going to be really fun because I get to share a little glimpse into my own life and my own practices and how I am really devoting myself towards this season of preparation within my own body, within my womb, and of course, my spirit. So I am sharing this episode while I am also enrolling in the Awakening Fertility Mentorship, which is a one-on-one space for the woman who is desiring to prepare her body, womb, and spirit for conception and pregnancy. And this is a really beautiful private mentorship coaching experience where we really get to focus on your holistic health as a woman and see what are the areas where you are desiring to heal and increase your vitality within. So I'll be sharing more at the end of this episode about the mentorship. Uh, But if you are in the season of your life where conception and fertility is on your mind and you are desiring support around that, whether you're struggling with it or not, the Awakening Fertility Mentorship is a beautiful space for you. So let's dive in to seven things that I'm doing for my preconceptive health. The first thing is addressing underlying health issues, specifically within my thyroid and my gut. So a really big part of of my own preconceptive health journey within kind of the physical dimension is addressing some of these subclinical health issues that have been lingering and just kind of living underneath the surface 
I think I shared about some of these in the life update I did uh, maybe a month or two ago. And yeah, so I've just been kind of having these subclinical uh, health challenges, specifically around my thyroid and my gut, as I shared, that haven't really been that big of a deal. Uh, I can totally live my life w with them. However, I really want to ensure that my physical health is at its peak prior to my time of conceiving. And so I am working with a naturopathic doctor and doing some deeper testing with her. So that's really the main reason that I wanted to work with a naturopath is so that I could have someone who um, can help to analyze and make really amazing suggestions based off of different testing. You know, I have a really thorough understanding of health and hormones and female physiology and what is best for our bodies. And also, analyzing deeper testing is not my strong suit. So actually, when that is something that we want to do within my practice, I have a naturopathic doctor that I outsource that to, just for those who may be wondering. Um, and my fiance, Jeremy, is also working with this naturopathic doctor. So we are both simultaneously working with her. We are doing blood testing. We are doing stool testing to analyze the different um, bacteria that are living within our gut. And we're kind of starting there. I think on the life update episode, I mentioned doing like a Dutch panel and a hair tissue mineral analysis, which I'm definitely still interested in doing. Um, but we are starting here and that's currently what's happening. Um, and I'm sure, you know, if there are still questions after we've done kind of this initial round of testing, then we can dive deeper into some of the more thorough uh, testing options. But yeah, so addressing these underlying health issues, working with a professional, intending to them, I think that that's really important. So we're not just shooting in the dark. And health has always been a really big focus for us. I mean, specifically me, Jeremy's definitely gotten healthier being with me, um, but it's still very much a value that has been sustained within our relationship for a long time. Um, but we are both really in a phase now where we're zooming in on like the specifics of our individual constitutions and getting really into the nitty gritty. So that's pretty fun in, in a way. I like to, you know, kind of understand things from all perspectives possible. And so, you know, within this, though, I was reflecting on this uh, while driving the other day. You know, while we are working with this health professional who I'm very grateful for, I also really had a moment with myself where I, I had to, you know, breathe and remember that no one holds the keys or all of the answers to my health or towards your health as well, right? And all of these people that we seek support with, whether it's a naturopath or an acupuncturist or someone like myself, 
and all these different tests that we can do, right? Just testing has exploded over the years are really helpful insights and tools. Um, However, you know, my intuition is the strongest out of all of these tools and tests and whatever they are, right? And I can't expect or believe that these people who are supporting us are going to heal, fix, or treat everything. I need to hold my own health in, in my hands and do what I feel is best for my body, for Jeremy's body, and for our, you know, soon-to-be family's body as well. And this kind of plays into the deeper conversation of sovereignty and not handing over your health to someone else. I find that sometimes that happens, that once we hire someone to support us with whatever healing journey we are on, we tend to give that person our power when actually the the greater exchange of energy or what it should be is that that person is empowering us to become even greater detectives and uh, supporters of our own well-being. So that was just something that kind of came through the other day and I felt like adding that to this episode because I think that that's an important piece. And just to kind of a few little things here as to how I am helping my thyroid. So your thyroid uh, is like your master gland. It regulates your metabolism, your body, uh, your basal body temperature, your blood pressure, um, a lot of things. And so how I am helping my thyroid, these are just a few things. This isn't an exhaustive list. And I actually would love to have a thyroid specialist come on the podcast. I think that that would be really great. Um, and, and for those who are wondering, my thyroid is more hypothyroid. So a low functioning thyroid, which is way more common than hyperthyroid. So ways I'm supporting my thyroid um, by eating consistent meals, three meals a day, baby. That's really important. I'm also taking um, a thyroid supplement called Thyrosol. That's through the company Metagenics. Um, it has vitamin A and D and E and selenium and myo-inositol. I've only been taking this for about a week or so, so I don't want to say any good or bad reviews around it. That's just what I'm currently taking. And I've also been um, supplementing with ashwagandha, which I've been doing for hmm, probably at least six to eight months now. And I really love ashwagandha. I think that that will be an adaptogen that I continuously take. And just a few things around my gut, how I'm supporting it, as I said, doing stool analysis, doing some gut testing, and getting on strain-specific probiotics. I think that's what I'm really excited about because, yeah, the, the world of probiotics is honestly crazy. It's, it's, for the most part, very unregulated. And a lot of times, probiotics don't make it past our stomach because our stomach has such a low pH. It's so very acidic. Um, So getting on some really strain-specific probiotics that are going to target exactly what my body is in need of. So that's exciting. Eating fermented foods, specifically a lot of sauerkraut as of late. Um, 
trying to do a raw carrot salad every day. I'm not the best at it, but I am wanting to be really consistent with that, and that can help to clear out excess estrogen within the gut and also limiting alcohol and other inflammatory foods. I really don't drink all that often, but in this preconceptive phase, just really paying attention to that. So that is the first way that I am supporting my preconceptive health. The second thing is tracking my cycle. And I've been doing this for years uh, since I transitioned off birth control uh, many years ago, but I still wanted to add this because I think that as I head deeper into the season, uh, I am wanting to be even more intentional with tracking my cycle. And so, of course, I'm tracking when I'm ovulating. I'm also paying really close attention to my cervical fluid and how many days I am producing that optimal egg white stretchy cervical mucus. Um, for the most part, I feel very grateful that um, I produce very good cervical mucus, very fertile cervical mucus. I know that that's not the case for everyone, but just monitoring to see if that is changing. Yeah, and, and just making sure that it's still staying consistent with how it has been over the last couple of years. That is a really good way for those of you who are maybe in the phase where you know you want to have children, but it's like, no, 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 not yet. That's not happening for, you know, maybe three, four, five years. Something that's really a good way of seeing like how your fertility is progressing um, is to monitor your cervical fluid. And I say cervical fluid and cervical mucus, it's the same thing. Because you can start to see as you get older that you will most likely have fewer days of that peak cervical mucus, that egg white stretchy um, fluid. So that's a good way, good thing to keep in contact with within your own body. And also just seeing how my ovulation and my cervical fluid shifts per cycle. I'm cycle day 13 as I'm recording this and I have pretty egg white cervical fluid on cycle day 13, which isn't always the case. Sometimes it's a little bit later. So just beginning to really identify my own patterns within my cycle. I'm also focusing on lengthening my luteal phase. I've been talking about this a lot over on my Instagram, just about how important the luteal phase is for implantation specifically and sustaining a pregnancy. So our luteal phase, ideally, we want it to be between uh, 10 and 14 days. The longer the luteal phase, the better chances of sustaining a pregnancy. It just is what it is. So right now, my luteal phase is about is, is coasting at about 10 days. That's been the pretty consistent uh, length that it's been. And I'm okay with that. Um, I would like to get it a little longer. So I am really focusing on nourishment, which is going to be my next point uh, to elongate and to lengthen that phase. And also going back to my first point of addressing uh, underlying health issues, your thyroid can really impact the length of your luteal phase. So I think 
that as I support my thyroid health, my luteal phase will lengthen. And if you're looking for some book recommendations on learning how to track your cycle, my favorite resources are Taking Charge of Your Fertility and The Fifth Vital Sign. I also support women uh, in their fertility journeys with tracking their cycle and also with transitioning off of birth control. So if that's something you're wanting more personalized support with, please don't hesitate to reach out. Okay, the third is focusing on deep nourishment. So I believe I shared this in last week's episode, but preconception is a phase of building and sustaining. So this is not really a phase of detoxifying, unless, again, there's heavy metals, mold, parasites, etc. That could be a further nuanced discussion. But what I'm really focusing on, because I don't believe that I'm experiencing any of those imbalances, mold, parasites, uh, yeah, things like that, what I'm focusing on is eating enough and eating consistently, eating nutrient-dense foods, making sure that I am really prioritizing my nourishment. And sometimes I feel like a broken record having this conversation. But what I've realized, just especially over the last few months, is how devotional I have to be in order for this to be a priority. So I went so many years of my 20s just like barely eating throughout the day. I think that I would eat, yeah, I would eat like a, what were those bars called? Oh, the RX bars, which, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I cannot, I cannot do an RX bar. That just reminds me of my of my time with disordered eating. And I'm going to have a couple clients that are like laughing at me as I'm saying this, because <laughs> if they eat our X bars, I'm like, do you even like them? Um, I digress. So yeah, I, I went through so many years of my life, barely eating throughout the day, small, tiny breakfast, maybe something late in the afternoon for lunch, and then dinner. And I get that that's like a lot of people's reality, whether, you know, depending on what their work schedule is like. Um, and even when we actually moved up to where we live now, up in the San Diego mountains, you know, we don't have a grocery store for like 30 minutes away all. So there's not a lot out here. And I really struggled to stay consistent with like making three meals a day. And so anyways where I was going with this is that it really takes a lot of intentional effort to be in a consistent phase of deep nourishment. And what that requires for me is going to be completely different than what that requires for you. What that requires for me is to plan our meals, is to plan what are my breakfasts going to look like, my lunches, and our dinners for the week. And I tend to do that on Sundays um, or Fridays, just kind of depending on how the week flows and, and what we have going on. But that to me is an essential part of my preconceptive phase practices is really focusing on eating enough. And I've been approaching food from more of a pro metabolic approach, which is really kind of a fancy way of 
of eating for your metabolism, of eating for sustained energy and vitality. And I would actually love to have um, an expert on pro-metabolic nutrition come on the podcast as well. That would be that would be great. But definitely eating a lot of animal-rich, nourishing foods, as I shared in last week's episode. So that means getting high-quality meats. We have someone locally who we are able to source meat from, which is such a privilege and amazing. And there are most likely options for that within your community. You just have to kind of get curious, ask around, see who, you know, has the the hookup in that way. Uh, lots of broth and eggs and um, organ meats to a certain sense. So yeah, that's that's what's nourishing me lately. Um, and also, you know, to this point of focusing on deep nourishment, this wasn't so much of my journey within the last couple of years, but just in my more like early 20s. And this could look like what this is centered upon for you is really healing your relationship to food. Uh, and for me, healing my relationship to food was such an important part of my preconceptive health journey. Um, and even though that was years before I consciously realized that, yes, like I'm tending to my womb for children. And yeah, I, I work with a lot of women who are struggling in their relationship to food, whether that means they find themselves in a constant state of dieting or they are stressed about food all the time, counting calories, counting macros, feeling fear around food, not trusting themselves to eat what tastes good and what feels good for their system. So a disordered relationship to food can look like a lot of things. Um, and so for you specifically, if that is something that is alive and well within your life, I really encourage you to face that head on, to really look at what is that relationship to food and how can you begin to orient to food from more of a place of nourishment. Um, because during pregnancy and postpartum, our nutritional needs increase and it is so essential that we are feeding ourselves properly. So that is what I'm going to say about that. Um, yeah, yeah, deep nourishment. It's important. The next one is reprogramming my mindset around pregnancy and birth. Yeah, this is this is a big one too. I really feel like there are so many cultural messages that are just in our faces as women all the time around how pregnancy and birth sucks, it's terrible, it's hard. Um, specifically, let's speak about pregnancy, right? Uh, that you're going to struggle and be uncomfortable and deal with morning sickness and you're going to be gaining weight and you're hungry all the time and you're tired and just like all the things, right? Well, you know, that is a reality for a lot of people. And I don't want to say that that's, that's bad or wrong because that is the experience that some people have. However, I don't want to go into my future pregnancy having expectations around how I'm supposed to feel. 
I really want my own experience within my own body to shape my reality. And I think that this also goes for birth, right? We hear from probably everyone, and we see this through a lot of media and television shows just around birth being this extremely painful experience, which I am not doubting that birth is painful. Yes, it's most likely going to be painful. Um, But having that mentality and that mindset, um, again, it, it undermines what the value of pain in birth is. And I believe that there is value and inherent wisdom to be found within the pain that accompanies childbirth. And so what this also looks like for me um, is kind of unraveling my own birth. So my mother had a a pretty traumatic birth with me. Um, I was pulled out via forceps. I have a little scar like right on the side of my eye from the forceps. Thankfully, I don't believe that they use those type of forceps in the hospital anymore, but I could be wrong. I remember, I remember hearing that somewhere. Um, But my mom couldn't even really speak to me about my birth for a long time because it was traumatic, completely understandably so. Um, And, and I really believe that it's part of my responsibility to unravel my own birth story because there are accounts of women uh, really kind of reliving their own mother or grandmother or great-grandmother's birth trauma in their own birthing experience. And that's also a very nuanced question. That's obviously not, or not question, but conversation. That's not something that is black or white in any sense. And it's hard. That's something that's very challenging to um, like objectively identify. However, this has just been something, you know, again, this is how I'm preparing for preconception. This is something that has felt really important for me, okay? Um, And so just, yeah, unpacking it, beginning to have, you know, those conversations with my mother as much as she feels comfortable about. And also, again, really reprogramming my own beliefs around birth. Yeah. So asking myself, like, could pregnancy and birth be this magical experience, right? Not saying it's going to feel pleasurable 24-7. It's not. But what if this could be a magical time within my life? I really would like it to be. And I think that also within that, it comes to a place of absorbing and being around uh, education and resources and uh, people and platforms that really speak to birth as a rite of passage, birth as this transformative experience within a woman's lives or within a woman's, yeah, woman's life, excuse me. And so that looks like listening to positive birth stories, you know, uh, following accounts that share education on the natural unfolding of physiological birth, which is, which is the natural blueprint of birth, 
something that our bodies are truly made to do and will always continuously do as long as human beings are on this planet. So, yeah, that feels really, really important to me. And and kind of within this, this, you know, thing that I'm doing to support myself is also beginning to um, expand my threshold for sensation and pain within my body. And, and honestly, that word pain, I'm trying to find like another word I know that some people use instead of saying pain when they're referring to like contractions, they'll say surge or intensity. And I think that our language really does matter. Um, but something I am intentionally focusing on right now is increasing my threshold for being uncomfortable and for being in physical discomfort. And so what that looks like on a really practical level, um, Jeremy and I are going to start doing ice baths. We actually just did, well, I did my first one today, this morning, and it was extremely painful. I've never done one before. And oh my gosh, I was like screaming and moaning and almost crying at one point. It was really hard. <laughs> if you can do an ice bath and just stay really calm and connected to yourself, I have so much awe for you and your process. Um, but I realized through that just how uncomfortable I can be in physical pain. And um, yeah, so putting myself in those experiences that make me go deep into myself, that make me reach this point within my inner world where I can be okay here and I can know that my body is safe. Okay. So I hope that that makes sense. I feel like there was kind of a lot within that, within that um, point, but yeah, reprogramming my mindset and also my threshold around pain within pregnancy and birth. And just some of my favorite birth resources um, are going to be Taking Back Birth. That is a podcast by the Indie Birth Association. You can also follow their Instagram account. I love, love, love them. Free Birth Society. They have really great birth stories on their podcast. And also Pain Free Birth, which is an Instagram account. Okay. Moving forward to, ooh, which number is this? Is this five? This is five. Strengthening my relationship and tending to the health of my partner. So I feel really blessed that I have such a healthy, loving, devoted partnership. Um, yeah, Jeremy and I have been together for, it'll be eight years in February. So we have been together since I was 20. Long time, lots of growth and evolution that has happened throughout that relationship. Um, and with that being said, we all have weak points within our relationship. Let's be honest, no relationship is perfect. And so I'm really using, we're both really using this time period to consciously tend to those areas. And I just want to say, and I, and I wrote a post about this a couple days ago too, around how preconceptive health is really essential for men as well, right? Their sperm 
uh, is 50% of the genetic material that will be contained within the embryo. So of course their health matters. And I spoke to that just a little bit in the previous episode, but I do want to clarify that it is mainly me who is steering the ship of preconceptive well-being. Um, you know, he's not over here doing the research, reading, getting all like nerdy and into it. Um, he has his other, his own things that he's interested in. This is clearly something that I'm very interested in as it's my profession and what I, what I have devoted my, my soul's purpose to. Um, but just for those that are like, oh, like I want my partner to be more into it. It's not a matter of like them being as obsessed with this phase of your life as you are, but them being on board and seeing the importance of it. That's where I feel like it really matters. So strengthening my relationship, seeing those weak places, really working together as a team to become as close and strong within our partnership as we can. And I feel like through time that obviously just builds and builds and builds. Um, and the second piece of this was like tending to the health of my partner. And I know that that kind of might sound like I'm taking charge of his health journey, which I'm not in any means, but I think as the woman in the relationship, as the one who holds more of the feminine pole, he holds more of the masculine energy and pole, I am able to see and feel and sense the overall vitality of his being, sometimes a little bit better than he can. Kind of how I see it is like the feminine is overseeing the the home, the relationship, the family. She can feel things that aren't necessarily able to be seen with our physical eyes. And I can sense that within my partner, as I'm sure you can within yours. And so I am gently guiding him into, you know, really tending to his physical health, to his emotional health, and also to his spiritual health. And sometimes leading these more challenging conversations that I believe need to be happening in order for us to arise into the strongest archetypes of mother and father. So part of that looks like you know, working with the naturopath together and then other things that I feel like, yeah, I'm just kind of gently supporting and guiding him into while also allowing him to take full initiative and sovereignty on what he believes he wants to focus on as well. I also believe that in this time period of the preconceptive phase, and I feel like I am living this as we speak, and so It'll be interesting to, to reflect on this kind of on the other side of this season. But in this time period, there are things within each person in the relationship that are arising and wanting to be cleared from our body, mind, and spirit before stepping into the phase of conception, pregnancy, and then parenthood. And so I'm noticing how there are certain things arising within him that I'm like, okay, this is happening really specifically in this time period because it's it's here for us to focus on. It's here for us to work on. It's, it's arising not because there's something wrong 
not because something has gone bad, but because it wants our focus and our intention. And that is, there are certain things within myself as well where I'm identifying that. And then also certain things within the relationship as a whole. And I think that that's also happening um, as, as we walk into union and into marriage. So yeah, that's, again, something I feel like I'm personally going through right now and I don't necessarily feel, uh, yeah, fully open with sharing exactly what those things are as they, you know, are intimate places within my relationship. Um, but yeah, that's a really interesting observation. And like I said, it'll be interesting to reflect on that phase and what has arisen for us as a couple, um, as we've transitioned out of this season. And in addition to this, you know, just focusing on all other relationships as as well. So not just my intimate partnership, but also the relationships of people who I want and who I know will be a part of our village and our tribe. So, you know, different family members, friends, etc. Really beginning to see like who is there for us. What does this tribe really look like? And loving those people very hard and intensely and, and lovingly and softly as well. Um, and, and allowing them to get excited about this season of our life too. So yeah, that one, that one is a good one. The next is slowing down. <sighs> Even as I say those words, I'm like, oof, this can be a hard one sometimes, especially right now I'm approaching ovulation. So it's really hard for me to slow down. And so this is one I'm still very much in relationship to. Um, but something I feel is important is just beginning to slow down, beginning to adapt to a slower pace of life, a more mindful pace of life, and not needing to be busy all of the time, which can be really hard for me, especially in certain seasons of my cycle and what this more so looks like than just like slowing down which can be a range of, of so many things is really aligning even deeper with my own inner womb cycle and also the earth cycle and that is you know something I've been teaching for quite a while now and something I think I'll forever be passionate about is how can we align with these deeper, more subtle energies that are felt within our womb and within our menstrual cycle, and also intertwining that with where is the earth? So right now, currently, it is winter here in the Northern Hemisphere. And to me, this is a season that is centered upon reflection and rejuvenation and slowing down and kind of getting that bird's eye vision for where am I going and what's to come, right? But within my womb cycle, I'm in my inner summer. I'm just about to ovulate. And so those can feel like kind of conflicting energies, but they really aren't. When you are tuned into your body, first and foremost, you also are therefore able to attune to the earth as well. 
And so when I kind of say slowing down, what I'm more so focused upon is this um, concept of cyclical living or what I've been really loving calling it, which is cyclical alignment. And to me, that feels really rejuvenating. And it feels like a way that I'm supporting my nervous system and that I am just supporting myself in this transitionary phase because even though like I'm not pregnant or anything along those lines, I feel like there's still a lot of integration happening. And I know that there's going to be so much more integration that happens like once I cross that threshold. But I really feel like I've entered this phase where I'm starting to see how our life is going to change. And that is requiring integration, which requires us to slow down. So That one is important, and that's especially important for those of you who find slowing down to be really, really challenging. So just breathe into that and see how you can integrate that uh, deeper into your own practice. The final and last one that I'm going to share is being committed to my own inner healing and growth. Now, I have been on what I believe is a spiritual journey since I was 19. That's when I had my first experience of God or higher power or whatever you want to call it. And since then, so that's almost been 10 years now, I feel like I have been on a spiritual path and have been connected to my own inner healing and growth and evolution and transformation and just being very devoted to the game of life, which I really see as being a series of lessons that we're here to receive and alchemize and transmute and then teach from that place. I believe we all have the ability to teach from our lessons, and we all are teaching others, whether we know it or not. However, this is taking on an entirely new complex in a a way, um, because I'm transitioning from Maiden, who has been able to be fairly self-focused for the last, you know, 10 years of my life and even prior to that, um, very self-focused on my interests, desires, dreams, goals, career, where I want to go, what I want to do, what I want to eat. And obviously that's, you know, within balance of other people in, you know, in our lives. It's not to say like all of the years of my maidenhood have been self-centered, but to a certain sense, they they have been, and they they mostly are for a lot of maidens, and that's the purpose. The purpose is to have a season where we are able to self-actualize, uh, where we are able to understand ourselves and learn about who we are and actually evolve more into ourselves. I don't think that maidenhood is about finding yourself. I've never really resonated with that description, but it's about choosing who you want to become and becoming that person. And to me, that's what my maidenhood has been centered upon, has been really centered upon who who do I want to be? What life do I want to live? 
What type of people do I want to work with? What type of values do I want to hold? What type of land do I want to live on? What do I want my relationship to look like and be centered upon? It's been a lot of visioning and a lot of getting really clear on how I can allow those visions to unfold. And and a lot of those visions are still unfolding. It's not to say that they have come into completion. But that season is coming to an end. And that's the way I believe it's supposed to be. And once we transition into mother, our focus has turned not towards ourself any longer, but onto another. And there'll never be really a season of life where we are completely self-focused again until maybe, you know, our children have grown and they're out of the house and, and whatnot. But by then, we've probably entered more of the matriarch season and we're more community focused, more village focused. So anyways, I could have a whole podcast on the maiden to mother journey, um, but I, I really feel like I would like to speak upon that more so once I've transitioned into mother. Maybe I can speak more about my experience with really dismantling kind of the wounded parts of my own maiden. But I really don't want to pass on any of my quite annoying patterns <laughs> to my offspring, to my children. I don't want to have the same stuff just getting in my way again and again and again. You know, we know those patterns, those grooves that we find ourselves in. And it feels of utmost responsibility for me to really heal those places within. And I want to be as healthy as possible, physically and emotionally and spiritually, while I'm pregnant and also as a mother. And so what this looks like is really staying committed to my practices. And so these are practices that I think we all should be engaging in. And I, I don't mean to like say that in terms of, you know, I know what you should be doing and, and you don't kind of thing. No, no, no. But I do know that these practices help and they help strengthen our connection to spirit, to God, to a higher power. And I believe that to be a really essential piece of our preconceptive journey is reconnecting to God. And so whether that looks like journaling for you or meditation or reading different spiritual texts, breath work, prayer, being in nature, you know, these are all practices that keep me feeling really grounded in what I believe and what I feel to be true. And yeah, it's a really beautiful reminder that the stronger that I feel or the more spiritually connected I feel to myself and to something greater, uh, the more easeful and blissful the conception journey will come or will be. Um, I'm really interested in, you know, communicating with spirit babies and allowing those souls to come in. And I believe that once we strengthen that spiritual antenna, we can become more receptive and open to that experience happening. People have, have, have accounts of, of the spirits of their children coming to them far before they are even in the season of conception. I myself have felt connected to a couple of different spirits. And, you know, some of you 
might be like so excited by this conversation and some of you might be like what are you even talking about um but this is just my beliefs that there are spirits on the other side of this 3d human reality that are waiting to be incarnated into human form and they are also orchestrating our growth and our healing and so I'm really just taking on this this focus of being as health, being as emotionally and spiritually healthy as possible um, in this season. I'm really taking this practice on seriously um, and also not letting myself get rigid or perfectionistic about it. Um, but yeah, letting, letting that be a priority within my life. So those are the seven ways that I am tending to my own preconceptive health. There are, of course, other things that are more nuanced or that I just maybe didn't quite feel like elaborating in depth just yet on the podcast, but I hope that that supports you and maybe these are some of the things that you are wanting to focus on within your preconceptive phase as well, which I see being anywhere from six months to six years prior to your desire to conceive. And so if you are looking for support in tending to the health of your womb, reconnecting to your body, and focusing on your own inner healing, I am currently enrolling in the Awakening Fertility Mentorship, which is a one-on-one -on -one program for the woman who is really wanting to, yeah, prepare her body, womb, and spirit for conception and pregnancy. Applications are open just for a couple more weeks. Wednesday, January 25th, applications close for that mentorship. If you are listening to that, to this episode way past then, uh, go ahead and check over on my Instagram. I will be opening this mentorship again in the future. So maybe it'll be open around the time that you are listening to this. And if not, uh, you can add yourself over on the wait list and be the first to hear once applications open again. So I think I am going to end it at that. I hope that you found this episode supportive and if anything resonated with you or if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out over on Instagram at Root and Womb Co. I am sending you love and we will chat next week. lovely i hope you enjoyed this episode of the root moon collective podcast it means the absolute world when you leave a rating or rate the show so if you found value in today's conversation please share the message share the medicine with your community if you want to plug into all of the magic happening in the collective feel free to join me on instagram at root and womb co and you can check out all of our offerings over at the website rootmoomcollective.com. 
I will see you next time.